Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information on services or products, you can go to my website at lisa-schwartz.com. I hope you enjoy today's message. I'm going to share with you a little bit about some of the things that God has been impressing upon me and the ways that he's been challenging me, navigating my life, and bringing me more into the fullness of the purpose that he has in mind. How many of you know that once upon a time, a long, long time ago, before the foundation of the earth, God created a purpose? He created a plan and he created an assignment. And then he had you in mind that he created around that purpose, around that assignment, around that plan. And inside of you is the seed of that purpose, is the seed of that plan and that assignment. And God is continuously changing, molding, navigating, arranging things in you and outside of you to bring out the fullness of that purpose. And so that's what life is really all about. It's about knowing the purpose of who you are, who God has created you to be, the plan that he has for your life, and bringing out that purpose. And so I'm sharing that with you because this is the journey I'm on. I am just like you, no different, that God has a purpose that he's placed in me, a passion, a dream, gifts to go along with the passion, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the purpose. And so I have to continuously make myself moldable in the hand of the Lord to grow into that and come into the fullness of the assignment that he's had in mind all along. You, you follow? So we're, we're kingdom assignments that God has impressed into us and then created us and molded us around that kingdom assignment. Well, I want to share with you a couple of, uh, probably five or six weeks ago, uh, my husband and I had the opportunity to have a little spiritual retreat. We went to Angel Fire in Mexico. Uh, we took uh, our mentors with us from Illinois. And um, some of this really kind of started about then. There was one of the nights that we decided, hey, let's spend the last night just really praying for each other and sharing what's on our heart, what do we feel like God is doing, um, whether it was challenges, real challenges that we're having, whether it's convictions that we're having, or just desires and dreams. Just a safe place to really just be very vulnerable, right? Because uh, we all need to have that place. And um, so I share in that in that night, and I really, really felt like this is the Lord and present upon my, my heart to pour out this desire. And so I said to them, I really, really want to go to another level in my relationship with God. I really want to see another level of his power working in me and through me. I want to I feel another level in my intimacy. I want to know another level of his love. And, and, and I want to grow this another level. And I didn't feel stale in my relationship with the Lord. I, didn't, I wasn't going through this dry spell or anything like that. It's just I felt like I kind of had plateaued and I, I wanted to go to this next level. But here was, here was kind of the kicker. I said this, but I don't want to have to work for it. I'm tired, and I don't have more time. I don't want to do a Bible study. I already read my Bible every day. I don't want to study more. I don't have to pray more. I just want God to do it. I, I just want God to just kind of, boop, just take me to this other level. And so this was a prayer that I prayed, and I felt like um, the Lord really impressed upon me. We, we all know the story of Moses in the book of Exodus. Uh, where he talks, where he, he comes to the Lord and he says, show me your glory. And, and I was thinking about this as we were praying. The Lord was just bringing out just words and messages. And he began to reveal the unction that Moses had in that moment, knowing his ways, knowing God's ways, seeing his signs, being a part of the manifestation of 
don't you think you're something? You already have conversations with the Lord on the mountaintops. You've been used to, to help set the captives free. You've, uh, you've had the rod of God placed in your hand. You've parted the waters. Uh, you've seen manna fall from the sky. You've interceded for the... I mean, this man knew God. He, had, he was familiar with his ways. Yet there was an unction in him to pray for more. And, and God began to impress that story upon my heart in a sense to encourage me to keep praying. Keep praying. I want you to pray for me. I mean, you follow what I'm saying? He, he, and so God was saying, you can be familiar with my signs, my ways, my works, my miracles, but there's always more to know about my person. So we're talking about the person of God. And so we know how the story goes on where it says that the glory of the Lord passed by. And I think I spoke a little bit last time when I was here about the glory and the anointing. And I'm going to share a little bit about that today as well. But it says that the glory of the Lord, he said, I'm going to pass by you, but I'm going to place my hand over you. Because you can't handle seeing the glory. The glory of God, the person of God, the very nature of God is too much. You can't see it. You won't see it. Okay, so... I, I think about this story and I'm reminded about how what we see of God is the overflow. It's the, the manifestation of works of God. We know that in John it says that the Holy Spirit is like the wind and we don't know where it comes from, where it's going. All we see is evidence thereof. And in a lot of ways, there's a knowledge that we come into of knowing the heart and the character and the nature of God, but we can't really see that. What we see is the outcome. What we see is the manifestational works. What we see is the signs, the miracles, and the wonders, and the power and the nature of God working through his people. And so that was a picture of God saying, no one will actually ever see it in all its fullness and glory in me, not in this lifetime. And so that this is an image of God saying that if you want to know my glory, it's going to have to be seen in my people. The very person of God working and flowing through my people. Now here's, here's where God really began to reveal to me just about his glory and, tell, and, and pray about what does that mean? What does it mean to have your glory flowing through me? Like we know what it means to have your anointing. Listen, I had the opportunity to travel all over the United States, lay hands on people, and they get healed. Last week, I barely even touched a woman. There were several people in this room that got to see that barely even touched a woman, and she immediately was like, oh, what is that? And I backed off. I mean, it's when the Spirit of the Lord moved in, I'm out. <laughs> I backed off, and I was like, that's the Holy Spirit healing. And she was, I mean, for the rest of the night, moving her head around. Poor Liz, she just kept the monitor going, I can move my neck. Is it, do you think it's going to come back? Do you, do you? I mean, she just couldn't believe, just flabbergasted at the moment feeling the presence of the Lord, coming up her hands, going up her shoulders, healing her neck in a moment. That's the anointing of God. See, that's the sign of the miracle of who God is. And so God works that way. If he does work that way through me, I get the chance to see other people flowing in that kind of an anointing where God works through them like that. So God began to reveal to me um, about the, the passage in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where it says, But we, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. And, and of course, we know that story, of the, the passage says that when Moses came down off the mountain, there was a veil, and he would put a veil over his face so that the people could not see when the glory of the Lord was beginning to fade. And he's saying nowadays that I don't have to put a, a, a veil over your face. And I was reading, you know, the Lord was recalling you how sometimes we 
fill in gaps of our interpretation of the scripture. That's what I was doing. And so um, I, I was reading the story and I immediately kind of jumped and said, oh, so the veil of the Lord has been removed because the glory of God on my face doesn't fade. And God said, read it again. That's not what it says. What it says is, it doesn't say that it's not going to fade. What it says is it's going to increase. Yeah. <laughs> One person got it. <laughs> and I thought, whoa. Because this is exactly what God finally brought me in to pray for. The organic increase of the glory of the Lord in my life. God was like, you, you, I've been asking, I've been encouraging you to pray this because it's what I'm doing anyways. So I'm just bringing you in, I'm bringing you up to where I'm already at in your life. So not only has the, 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 the veil has been removed, not because the glory doesn't fade, but because the glory is on the increase in my life. And that's what scripture says. And the scripture says it, I believe it. But not only does scripture say that about me, scripture says that about you. That the glory of the Lord is on the increase in your life. And so we don't have to hide that. We don't have to wear a veil because there's an automatic, organic thing going on in the kingdom where he is on the increase in our lives. And so I began walking, God's been walking me through this new season of saying, what does it look like for this glory to increase? So I've gone back to this whole process of really studying what is the glory. And God just keeps saying, it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And so I have to ask myself, what do I know about God? What do I really know about God? And am I only familiar with his ways, or do I really know his person? Do I really know about the nature and the character of God? And I feel like this is a really important message. Because I think that a lot of times we are so um, enamored with the gifts of God. That we don't realize the importance of the character and the nature of God. And so I was reminded of the story in Matthew when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I am? The, the son of man. So they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and other Jeremiah and others, uh, others say you're one of the prophets. And he said to them, now listen to this phrase. He said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And, and I started, I, I've had an opportunity to, to preach this passage so many times, especially to you, because I think sometimes we, we have an answer for that saying, well, you are this, or you are that, or this is the way I've seen And usually the way we answer it is the way we've seen God work in our lives, or the way we've seen God work in somebody else's life. But that doesn't answer the question. The question is, who do you say that I am? Who am I? Knowing his heart, knowing his character, his nature, who he is, the person of God. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, now listen to this, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It's a revelation that comes only by the Spirit of the living God in us. A knowledge of who God is. We know the passage that says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That word know there means to recognize by personal experience. Meaning God has met with me, and there's a knowledge. 
Where's she at? Yes. She's working hard up here. She's doing all the work for you. And we've become like that as believers. Where we expect everybody else to stir up the presence, the person of God in the room, and then we get to experience the anointing. The movement, the emotion. You follow? And so she, you know, she so we're doing that, and that's great because God loves unified worship. He loves the, the, the fellowship of the brethren. We come together and we fellowship. But if that's all we ever know of God, if that's the only time we, if you are not experiencing God when you're doing your dishes, or you're changing your baby's diapers, or you're sitting in a meeting with your boss, if you do not, if you have not come to a place where you can experience his presence as heavy as you did this morning, you don't know the person of God. All you know is the anointing of God. And God wants us to live our lives out of the person of God, and the overflow is the anointing. But if we're trying to live off of the anointing and not the person, you're going to run dry. Your well is going to run dry. In Revelation 2, it says this. These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. You have persevered. You have patience. You have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Sounds pretty good. Sounds kind of like the church. Kind of sounds like your average Christian. But God then says this, nevertheless, nevertheless, this I have against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the first works, or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I want to talk to you for a minute about this passage. Because God got a hold of me with this passage several months ago, and that's what started this whole process. And saying, where is your first love, and what is your first work? Because I want, I want you to know that in the Old Testament, when God called the priesthood into their service, the priesthood means they were a people who were removed from society. They were separated from the community. And they were called to enter into the temple of the Lord and day and night and night and day to tend to the temple of the Lord, to cultivate the presence of the person of God in the temple. Now, now let me first, the very first phrase that I said was they were separated from the community. They were separated from the people. Now, if you and I are called to be in the priesthood of God, there means that, that means there needs to be a separation of the, from the people. Now, follow with me. And our number one job is to enter into the temple of the Lord, which, by the way, is in us. We are the temple of the Lord. So we're going to come into this place where we isolate ourselves in the presence of the Lord, and we say, God, what does it look like for me day and night? night and day, to never let the oil of the lamp run dry, to keep the wick of the lamp trimmed, to make sure that I'm constantly cultivating the person of God in me, so that out of the person of God, people around me get ministry. See, because the people came into the temple, and the priests didn't minister to them. The person of God, the character, the nature of God, which they had the intentional to stir up, is what ministered to the people. You, you see the difference? Because today, when we say, I've entered into ministry, that means I minister to people. We say that the church of 
God is to minister to people. And I'm not saying that we're not supposed to minister to people. I'm saying it shouldn't be your first love. It should not be your first work. Because when we make people our first love and our first work, now we're flowing out of the anointing and we're not flowing out of the person of God. Listen to me. The lampstand. Oil, wick, flame. These are the parts of the lampstand. Prophetically, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. The anointing of God. The Holy Spirit, right? That's the person of God living and breathing in us. So I'm going to try and come trying to give you guys a little history lesson now. In the temple, there was a lampstand. Remember this passage says, you need to, you need to repent, go back to your first work, or else I will remove the lampstand from within you. The lampstand is the person of God in us, and the Holy Spirit is the oil that we keep stirred up. The wick is us. It's my flesh and my soul. Now how many of you know that if you have a candle, you have to keep that wick trimmed? Why? I'll tell you. Good question. You keep it trimmed because if it gets too long, two things happen. Actually, three things happen. One, it only burns from the wick. It doesn't burn from the wax. And when it burns from the wick, the flame gets really, really big, but it gets super smoky. Okay? Gets, have you ever seen where a candle is smoky? That's because the wick needs to be trimmed. Okay? It gets really smoky. It's an impure flame, and it gets snuffed out easily. It's easily snuffed out. And I would like to propose to you that we have become like that as the people of God, where we burn from the wick and not, not be aware. And that's why God says that we're supposed to keep our wick trimmed so that we're constantly saturated in the oil of the Lord. What is the oil of the Lord? It's the person of God. Where I'm constantly saturating every day, I'm stirring up the anointing of God in me, the presence of God in me, coming to know the person of God in me, and the outcome is people around me taste and see. But if I haven't been fat with the goodness of God, if I haven't been fattened up with the presence of God, if I haven't been fattened up myself with the love of God, how in the world is anybody else around me going to taste and see? So we're talking about getting back to this place where I'm, not, where I'm saying to you, what do you know about who God is? What do you know about his person? Not about his ways, not about his signs, not about his miracles, not about the way he shows up. I'm saying when you're at home by yourself and you're struggling with loneliness, when you're at home by yourself and you're struggling because you want to eat all the food that's in the refrigerator, I'm talking about real life issues. I'm talking about when you're at home by yourself and you get a phone call from somebody that's less than kind and now you've got anger in your heart and bitterness in your heart. I'm saying who is he to you in those places? Because if he isn't if he isn't there and you don't know who he is in the real everyday living, then what good is it? What good is it? I love that we, we talk a lot about this the the story in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about the love of God. Right? And it says we can speak in tongues, we can prophesy, you can even feed the poor. You can speak to a mountain and it could be moved. But if you have not love, it profits you nothing. And that's what this is talking about. It's saying, listen, you can, you can know the ways of God. You can function in the acts of God. But if you have not love, then it will profit nothing. And you will be snuffed out just like that. Because you will be a flame that looks big and bright, but it's impure, it's exhausted, and 
and it's easily snuffed out. And I would like to propose to you that I'm talking about 75% of Christianity. Because we have gotten so weary. This is what, this is the whole Mary Martha story. Martha, this is what it looks like for me to be a believer. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to serve. And, and this is, I'm going to serve the people. There was one woman in that room that was serving people and there was one that was serving God. And the one who was serving God is the one who got blasted by the one who was serving the people. Can, can I tell you that there was a time in my life when I had a woman in a church, the church that I went to, who came up to me, she blasted me in my front lobby and said this. Hear me when I say this. I am not angry, I'm not bitter, but it's a great point. And she said, you know what your problem is? You care more about the people outside this church than you do with the people inside the church. And then she said, when was the last time you even made a casserole for one of our potluck dinners? And, and I, this was my response. And, and you know, and my heart was saddened for her. Because that's what she knew of God. That was her perception of what it looked like to be a believer. And, and that's a lot of what we get sucked into. But God says that Mary chose what was necessary. And that it would not be taken away from her. Mary set a healthy boundary on that day. Healthy boundaries are big in my world. Healthy boundary. Where she was able to say to the people, no. No, I'm not serving you. I'm going to go sit at the feet of Jesus. Is, is that okay for us to say that? Is it okay for me to say, I don't want to serve in the nursery on Sunday morning? Listen, you guys are like, this is not what we're arguing for. I'm saying, if you're going to serve in the nursery out of your flesh, don't do it. Because we call that soul ministry in my world. And I'm not interested in soul ministry. We call that burning from the wick in my world. And you know what happens to people who, who burn from the wick? They become bitter and angry. They're bitter and angry at the church. They're bitter and angry at the people that they can't say no to. And it's not that person's fault. It's your fault. It's time for us to take ownership back and say, no, I'm going to say no because I need to saturate myself in the oil. I'm feeling depleted. I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling worn out, weary, and faint-hearted. And I'm going to saturate myself in the person of God. You follow? So I'm giving you guys permission here to really step back because here's the beautiful part about it. When we burn from the oil, it cannot be snuffed out. It's a pure flame. It's a brighter flame. And it cannot be snuffed out. It's the real thing. We're all looking for the real thing. And the real thing comes out of the person of God. But we all are enamored, of course. We want to see, you know, we want to see the demonstration of the Lord. We want to see the power of God begin to move. We, we felt the presence here. You're probably going to see his presence move in a little bit. And, and we want to see that. But if it's not in the, coming out of the saturation of the presence of God, then it's no good. It's nothing more than, do you remember the story of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? All right, I'm going to read it to you. Previous to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers, and they called him the great wizard. He had been around a long time, and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But when Philip came to town, announcing the good news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon, and they were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, because he was fascinated with signs and miracles. 
and he would not leave Philip's side. Now that's a danger side right there, because scripture says, <laughs> we chase down faith and signs follow us. If we function on faith and signs will follow, and that's different than following signs and miracles. We should be chasing down the person of God. Chasing down the nature of God. Chasing down the heart of God. The character of God. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that I'm one of the first people to show up when I know that there's, you know, a prophet in town or we're going to go to whatever, the upper room in Dallas where the presence of the Lord is just totally released. And I love the anointing. I am a Holy Spirit lush, okay? But if that's all I ever know of God and I use that to be my sustenance, I'm in trouble. It cannot be our, my sustenance. That's why David learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. And there are many people in this room that look for this church to feed you. You look to this service to stir you up. You look to this service. Some of you probably woke up this morning feeling bad and said, I'm going to go to church so that I can feel better. And I'm not saying that's wrong. But at what point can we say, I'm going to feel better myself. I know how to stir up this in my own living room. I know how to enter into this presence in my own bedroom. I know how to stir up this presence in, in my workplace. I know how to stir up this presence in my family. Because if we don't know how to do that, then we are missing out. And you have to decide for yourself, I am not good enough for that. I want to see more of the glory of the Lord that's organically increasing in me anyways. And so I'm just going to let him do what he's already doing in my life. I'm going to stop kicking against the ghost. I'm going to stop fighting against it. I'm going to stop operating in fear. And I'm going to let God be let me go. Because he's going to do it anyways. He, he, he is in you. The personal God is in you. So he's chasing down. He's enamored with the signs and the miracles of the Lord. And so it says, when the apostles in Jerusalem received the report that Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John down to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. Up to this point, they had been baptized in the name of the Master Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on them yet. Then the, then the apostles laid their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the apostles, by merely laying hands, conferred the Spirit, he pulled out his money excited and said, sell me your secret. Show me how you do that. How much do you want? Name your price. <laughs> and I picked the message version, and I'll tell you why. Because it says, to hell with your money, and I was excited that I could say that in this church. <laughs> Peter said, to hell with your money. And you along with it. Why? That's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift. You'll never be a part of what God is doing if all you're doing is striking bargains, offering bribes. And then he says, change your ways now. And though, though none of us are this obvious, I would like to propose that if we're very honest, many of us are very enamored with gifts, whether it's the gift of leading worship, whether it's the gift of speaking, whether it's the gift of healing, I'm enamored with Liz's gift organization. I'll never figure it out. I, I, and sometimes in that enamorment, we tend to follow those people, get enamored with their gifts, and if we're honest with ourselves, our heart is a lot like Simon's. I even have people every place I go that says, teach me to do that. How do you do that? Teach me to lay hands on people and they'll fall out. Honest to God's truth. 
And I want you to know that it doesn't come from knowing his ways, knowing how to do it. There's not any kind of, I tell people all the time, I, I had a chance to do a training when I was in Cincinnati last week, where it was kind of Mormon elite group. They were, they were wanting to have an understanding more of the teaching and training of the anointing of the Lord. And I gave this kind of a message like this as a precursor. Like, listen, I would be amiss if all I did was come here and show, teach and train you in the anointing, and not teach and train you that you have to be saturated in the glory and the nature and the character of the Lord. Because here's why somebody falls out, to the best of my knowledge. Okay? I don't really know. Is that okay for me to say that? Yes. Because I don't really know. Because it's supernatural, so it supersedes my understanding. But to the best of my ability, I can say this, that when you're ministering to somebody, there's something in their nature that's not like the nature of God. So I'm not ministering healing to them. What I'm ministering is the nature of God's love to them. And when they come into an alignment and all of a sudden have that oh, moment of, oh, I see it the way God sees it, and there's a reconciliation in that place, and their soul collides with the Spirit of the Lord, their body's wrecked. That's the best that I can explain it. I'm not ministering healing to them. I'm ministering, I'm allowing the person of God to flow out of me. But I can't do that if I don't know the person of God first. And, and listen, I don't have them all figured out, and we never will. But by golly, I'm, I'm on that track. I don't want to know more about the healing, the signs, the miracles. I want to know more about Him, His heart, His nature, His ways, who He is. And, and that's what we're talking about in these passages. You remember um, in, in Exodus uh, where Mary, or Moses and Aaron show up and they have all these signs, miracles, and wonders and then Pharaoh would bring in his magicians and they would do the same thing? That's the anointing without the glory. You know, they, were, they, they threw their rod on the ground and they turned into a serpent and then the magicians came in and they threw their rods on the ground and turned into serpents too. But here's what I want you to hear me saying is the serpent of God ate up all the other serpents because it was the only serpent that was rooted in the love of God. It was the only serpent that was motivated from the glory and the plan and the will of God. It was the only serpent that was born and birthed out of the nature of God, the plan of God, the will of God. And other people around you will throw things on the ground, they will turn into serpents, and they will practice the anointing. But the glory of the Lord is what triumphs. It's the glory of the Lord, the knowledge, the person, the people of God is what ultimately That's not what they would say. 
would say is she loved us. She loved us supernaturally, and there was a supernatural way about her. There was a character and a nature and integrity that she walked in that inspired me, that touched me, that empowered me, that, that compelled me, and ultimately set me free. And I said to them, I'd like to propose after years of, of traveling into Cincinnati that some of the ladies who have been through our program in two or three years are walking more victoriously than some of you in this room. Why? Because they haven't come to know the signs and the miracles and the ways of God. They've come to know the nature of the power of the love of God. But we will not be able to operate in that. We will not be able to move in that if we're not sitting in it. Becoming like the priest, returning to your first love, sticking to the simplicity of your first work, where we stand here and we say, I'm just standing here. <laughs> I'm just standing in your presence. I'm just going to stand here in your presence and let you work in me, let you work through me. You do it, God. You do it, God. Because without you, I am nothing, but with you, I am all things. And so I, I wanted to, I got a chance to, it was interesting, because Pastor Rick and I chat, chatted briefly, you know, and I, I love when somebody's like, you can come in and speak on whatever you want. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's in there, and I want to speak on this, and I want to speak on that. So I called him, and I said, let me share with you a little bit of what I think I'm hearing. And interestingly enough, it was a lot of what he was hearing as well. And so, which is exactly where God has me. Just coming into the line with his nature and his character and his love. For more information regarding Lisa Schwartz, LLC, including products and inviting Lisa to speak at your event, go to www.lisa-schwartz.com. That's www.lisa-schwartz.com. S-C-H-W-A-R-Z dot com.